When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's episode is sponsored by Bear Attack Boxing, by boxers and for boxers, producing high-quality boxing gloves, boxing equipment, Muay Thai, kickboxing, all sorts of fantastic boxing products. And I just want to bring your attention to a new product which has been brought out by Bear Attack Boxing, which is the Checkerboard Boxing Gloves. They are available in 12-ounce and for the price of only £39. The new Checkerboard Gloves are the ideal training glove for a beginner or a seasoned pro, with the lightweight feel and wrist flexibility, you can freely fire your shots while still having the hand and wrist protection that you need. Whether it's training on the pads or it's on the heavy bag, make sure you're training with checkerboard gloves. Go over and find them, bearattackboxing.co.uk. Find them on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Check out all the other available equipment that they produce. And again, you can find them, www.bearattackboxing.co.uk. And right now, Thomas Hearns is an open book for Ray Leonard. Backs up against the ropes. This is one of the most unusual calls by a referee in the history of the sport. The first loss, a tremendous victory. Leonard fighting off the ropes. It happened. It happened. Number cut by Douglas. And down goes Tyson. Hoops it. Right hand shot. to another episode of Legendary Nights with me, Sean Bastow, your host, shortly to be joined by Johnston Brown. And today's episode is all about the tale of Roberto Duran versus Sugar Ray Leonard back from 1980. This is the brawl in Montreal. But before we get into this episode, guys, please go over and follow us on social media at BTR Boxing Podcast on Twitter and also on Facebook too. Johnston, great to have you back on for Legendary Nights and another fantastic fight voted for by the users of Twitter again. Oh, great selection. Um, there was one on there, uh, well, there was a few on there, some great fights from the 80s. Uh, but this one in particular definitely stood out. And yeah, what what a great fight was! Was it the, the boxer made a fighter, uh, youthful experience? And um, was it fast hands versus stone hands? So, yeah, well up for this. As soon as this was picked, I was bang on it, mate. So yeah, brilliant, brilliant pick. Yeah, brilliant pick by you guys, the listeners, you guys, the users of Twitter. Thank you so much for getting involved and voting for this particular fight. And I'm really looking forward to chatting about it. And this is the brawl in Montreal, as I said at the top of the show. This is the one that we're looking forward to speaking about. It's the first in a trilogy of fights that these went on to have. And it's it's a fantastic fight. So let's go in, as always, and talk about the guys, the careers in brief detail leading up to the fight. A little bit to do with the build-up and then also the fight itself. And this is going to be a different one because I think this is the first 15-round full-completed fight that we've actually covered on Legendary Night. So this is going to be quite an interesting one to cover as well. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I mean, you know, 15 rounds is... Uh, I, I mean, I'm a believer that I think maybe maybe the championship fight should bring back the 15 rounds. So, yeah, no, no stoppages. No one went down. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, really great to watch back on him. As you say, first 15-rounder, bring it on. 
So this is it then. We're going to talk about the careers of both men first going into this particular fight. And first of all, we start with Sugar Ray Leonard. Obviously, at this at this moment in time, he was the youth of the fight. He was the guy that was the youthful. You know, he'd not had as many fights as Duran at this point of his career. Obviously, he he went to the Olympics. He, he won a medal. He turned professional in 1977, and then obviously he went on a great string of of victories. You know, KOs, unanimous decision, retirements in the corner, and he, you know he was doing really really well. And his first piece of success came when he fought an, another absolute legend of the sport. In Wilfred Benitez in 1979, who was 38 and 0 with one draw in his record at the time. Yeah, uh, it was definitely a real test for him, wasn't it? Um, he, uh, he he produced the goods. Um, it was a difficult, obviously. You know, it was a it was a big night for him. Another 15 rounder. Uh, he had Hagler on the same bill, actually. Funny enough, and he actually got that that draw with uh, Vito and Tafermo, if I pronounce his name right. Um, yeah, great finish. Six seconds left of that 15 round. The referee stopped it. Funny enough, uh, it was the same referee as well as uh, as we have for for the for the main for the, for the big fight, the uh, the Duran fight, which was uh, Carl, Carlos Padilla. So uh, yeah, interesting one. Uh, a great fight, and uh, obviously one of the youngest champions, uh, 15 years old for Benitez, wasn't he? So great, great victory for Leonard. Uh, set him up nicely. It really did, and it set him up. You know, for what his career was going to be, really, which was uh, a legendary Hall of Fame career, as we know now. And Wilfred Benitez is, in his own, a legend himself, and people regard him as an absolute legend of the sport. So to pick up a victory against a guy who was 38 and 0 at the time, you know, he'd had 39 professional fights. Sugar Ray Leonard had had nowhere near that amount of fights. So to, to pick up that victory in, in the last round of the fight, unbelievable win for him. Uh, and then obviously he goes on to be uh, Davy Davy Boy Green to defend the WBC welterweight title with another knockout victory before he got his fight and his big chance with Duran. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, British boy, wasn't he? David Green. Um, had, had, had a good... Uh, he, he sort of picked himself up. He, he thought he, was, he, he could. Be, he had a chance of doing something against Leonard. Uh, unfortunately, he ended in the fourth round for him. <laughs> uh, didn't quite work out. So, um, but, um, yeah, uh, again, I mean... It, there was an interesting uh, fight just before, well, I say just before, but around the 14th uh, professional fight for Leonard when he fought Floyd Mayweather Senior. There was actually an interesting point that I picked up on where um, they were actually touting Tommy Hearns. They were going to do Leonard v Tommy Hearns in 1978, which would have been interesting. And I actually picked up on how much the splits would have been. So if Leonard had fought Hearns and Andrew Dundee didn't go with a decision to fight uh, Floyd Mayweather Senior instead then uh, Laird would have had £100,000 for the fight and on the split and uh, Hearns would have had 12 and a half k so quite interesting really how it panned out and uh, luckily it didn't <laughs> I know so, uh, well you know it, I say luckily they were both great fights but yeah really interesting it's weird isn't it because uh, you forget about the fact that he fought Floyd Mayweather Senior I mean Floyd Mayweather Senior is obviously a boxing career you know doesn't go anywhere near his son's boxing career as we know but it's a fact that it's, it's the name that everybody knows today Floyd Mayweather and obviously senior as eccentric as he is as we've seen in his later days you know it's it's, it's crazy to think that you forget he was an actual professional fighter and it was so long ago now that you know people don't really bring that up anymore as such but yeah like you said in his 14 fight yeah. there he fought Mayweather 
could have possibly fought Hearns at this point, which would have been an interesting prospect given both men were on the rise at this point in their careers before they eventually go on to have that collision clash later on down the line. But that that for for, for Ray Leonard is really a little bit of a synopsis going into the Duran fight. He'd had obviously great experience. He was the WBC welterweight champion at the time going into the Duran fight and he was the youthful fighter going in against the experienced Duran. Now Duran's career, obviously totally, totally different. He started his career way way back in 1968 all the way back in his home country of Panama and he, he, a lot of his fights a lot of the first sort of 20 30 of his fights mostly consisted of taking place in Panama City before he eventually started to come over to, to New York in, in the early 70s and then his first big big test and his first big title win was actually against Scotland's Ken Buchanan yeah Ken Buchanan yeah uh, an interesting fight that one as well because uh Buchanan had actually beaten um, Duran's hero, uh, who was Laguna, uh, Ishmael Laguna, or Laguna, sorry, let me practice right properly. So, um, yeah, uh, Cambridgeon beat uh, Laguna, and then uh, he won the title from him, and then obviously he went on to repeat that. Um, Laguna retired, and then obviously with with uh, Laguna being Duran's hero, he was quick to say, you know, this one's going to be for you. I'm going to get this win for you. And funny enough, I mean, Duran, he, his name wasn't even a hands of stone at the time. It was actually Rocky. They called him Rocky. So on, on the backs of all their jackets, they had Rocky on. And I think that comes from Rocky Graziano, probably Rocky Marciano, though, but I believe it was Rocky Graziano. So yeah, and it finished in the 13th round with a, it looked like, well, I say it looked like a low blow. It was a big low blow. <laughs> the referee must have missed it. But, I mean, he was winning the fight anyway. It didn't really matter too much. But, funny enough, Ken was quoted as saying that every time he passes all, he's still... Uh he, still, he remembers Duran every time he sort of goes to the piss. So, quite interesting fact, I suppose. Uh, yeah, great, great victory, though. Great victory. Picks up his first title. Another one on his record that's quite interesting to look at is back before he fought Buchanan, actually 1972, uh, he actually fought a guy who, at the time he fought him, has got a, an absolutely mental record. And I don't know if anybody in history will obviously know this because it's not something I think people will have initially picked up on because it's not something that you, you see about on Wikipedia or anything like that. So in 1972, he fought a, a gentleman by the name of Angel Robinson Garcia, or Angel Robinson Garcia, who at the time of the fight was 121 wins, 55 losses, and 19 draws on his record. That's some resume, that. That is unbelievable. I must have missed that one. My God, that is unbelievable. I'll tell you what, that is a learning experience. What was that, a UD then? So I bet that was a, that was a yeah. hard, tough 10 rounds there for, for Duran. Quality. I tell you what, that's uh, that's some journeyman, that isn't it? <laughs> Proper journeyman, mate. And you know, a bit like you know, with these Panamanians there, you know, they're just like the Mexicans, you know, the South Americans. They're all tough, aren't they? So I mean, it's a tough, tough uh, thing to sort of work your career for. I mean, he fought, I think he fought twenty-four times in Panama, in Panama before he actually lost his before, he, before his first loss, which obviously we move on to. But um, but yeah, three, three times in Mexico, three times in the US, so thirty-one. You know, it was at 31 and 1 he was before. 31, I mean, it's actually 31 and 0 before he went on to fight Esteban de Jus or de Jus, de Jus, however you want to pronounce it. 
He did, that's right. And that was his first loss on his record. Unanimous decision loss. And it's, again, an interesting fight to look at because Esteban de Jesus, or de Zeus, was 32-1 and one at the time. He fought Duran, which was in Madison Square Garden in New York in November 1972. Uh, something which we'll touch on a little bit later, uh, a rematch with de Zeus was on the cards a little bit later on down the line. But then he retained and, and won back a world title up in the lightweight division not three or not three or four fights after he'd initially won it and again it was just for for for, for me it was for, for Duran he was just you get to see when you look over his career a, what a real warrior this guy was the fact that he fought many a people he beat Buchanan got his first world title in 1972 loses to Zeus in Madison Square Garden and then comes back in his fight after that to win the same title he beat Buchanan for a year earlier yeah um, really interesting because in actual fact we're one thing we one thing we learn with Duran sort of going through his story is he does have this tendency to to really milk his success. Um, so uh, funny enough, I mean that Esteban defeat, although it obviously he lost the fight, um, it, he ended up sort of going back to his dressing room and crying his eyes out uh, when his, his actual team was sort of giving him the old uh, you know Freddie Brown and Ray Arcel was sort of saying to him, you know it's your own fault, you know you've been out on the piss for the <laughs> last God knows how long celebrating your victory when you really should have been training. And he ended up overweight um, and he came into the fight in a bit of a mess. But that's what he did. He, he liked his celebrationary binges. Um, it was a common theme with Duran and something obviously we'll learn after the Leonard fight as well. Yeah, definitely. He's, uh, he's definitely something that I think was uh, a big factor in, in part of his career. But it's never really hampered the fact that we look at him as a legend today, I suppose. So, as we as we were saying, as we were saying then before, you know, he got that victory, got his WBA title back against Jimmy Robertson, uh, then went on to have a string of victories, and then also fought again for the WBA lightweight title, 1973 against Hector Thompson. Picked up another victory there. Uh, and then there's another name on his record there, 1973, that I'm going to struggle to pronounce, but again, it was for the WBA World Lightweight title, uh, Guts Ishimatsu. <laughs> yeah, the, the Japanese for it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, good shot, done well there. Yeah, Gush Ishimatsu, you beat Gush Ishimatsu there in 1973, <laughs> and he continues on again throughout the 1970s significant fights there that he was involved in guys like Ray Lampkin who he beat via KO that was another another one there to look back into uh, Lenico Ortiz another fella there that you want to check out uh, Lou Bizarro, these are all names that no, won't be known to the household names, but people that listen to this podcast and listen to Legendary Nights, you're getting a bit of detail about the history, and people that are probably 45 or over will be sat there going, I know that fella, I remember that fella, and, and for guys like us who are in our 30s, you know, obviously we're the ones that are looking at the history books and looking at the fights that you can get access to, and, and some of these fellas were really tough fellas, and it doesn't really do justice to how tough of a career uh, Duran really had. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I, I mean, Duran, he had a total fight of 119. And I'll be honest with you, when I look through his record, obviously, you can't go through every single fighter, but I'll probably say he probably had about 10, possibly 15 layups. Other than that, every single fight he was in was against tough, tough fellas, and uh, which just shows you how much of a warrior he was. And, and to be fair to the fella, to, 
to have all of his marbles after going in some wars is uh, it's quite remarkable, really. Yeah, it was. And we move a little bit forward now and fast forward to 1978 and Caesars Palace, Las Vegas. This was the rematch with Esteban de Zeus and this was for the WBA title, which was held by Duran, and the WBC title, which was held by de Zeus at the time. So this was the rematch of their fight a couple of years earlier and it was a victory for Roberto Duran in this one. So he picked up then two world titles uh, and double champion at this point yeah yeah I mean he he, he was uh, it was quite I mean that was his third fight of Esteban as well um, and they had a, you know, they had a trilogy so he obviously lost the one fight to him where he, he sort of came into the fight overweight and sort of you know in a bit worse for wears um, and then obviously it, it, they had the two victories over him one in the 10th I believe and one in the 12th or a third was definitely in the 12th um, so yeah yeah he, he, he picked up that obviously he, he was the lineal lightweight champion he had literally sweep the lightweight division since that defeat against Esteban he went on a 42 fight win streak so you know it, he literally cleaned up the lightweight division um, and, and just to touch on Esteban as well Esteban was a, a heroin cocaine uh, addict uh, sentenced to prison for murder due to shooting someone on a road traffic accident and while he's in prison he found out he had HIV um, and was released to die um, so um, yeah yeah, a bit of a sad story for Esteban and, and you know one thing about Duran is no matter how you know you look at him in the ring and probably some of the things he says pre-fights he, he was a monster really, he was an animal but when he actually come to things you know family and, and this particular instance of Esteban he went and visited um, Esteban on his deathbed and he embraced him and kissed him which might not seem a lot today but you know in 1978 when there was a misinformation about the disease at the time that you know that just shows you you know how uh, he was quite clued up you know he knew what he was doing so uh, yeah yeah moving on <laughs> <laughs> well moving on from there on he decided to move up away and at that time there was no super lightweight division or old light welterweight division. It was just a straight jump to the welterweight division, which is what he did, and, and successfully did it as well. And went on a string of about, I think, about six victories before, uh, six or seven victories before he ends up getting into the fight that we're here to talk about today, which is the fight with Sugar Ray Leonard. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, the last fight, a little uh, lightweight, uh, went to welterweight. Um, I suppose. The one question mark about the round that people were saying was, did he carry that power? I think um, he only knocked out half of the guys he had fought. He had won a lot of uh, sort of UDs. It had, had uh, one on points, outpointed a few people. Um, probably the one just before that, well, wait, was, was Carlos uh, Palomino, who was a uh, He's a big name. Um, if anyone don't know about Carlos Salini, he's a fantastic, uh, fantastic fighter. Um, and funny enough, uh, uh, Carlos was actually, he literally had just lost a close, close decision to Wilfred Benitez. Um, and uh, it looked like he was going to fight Carlos in a rematch. And then obviously with um, Leonard working his way through um, and he see obviously the paycheck and he thought, actually, I'm going to fight Leonard instead. And then Duran stepped in and obviously... He beat Palermo. So, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, you know, he'd he done it, obviously, he started his career, what, a decade before Leonard, 1988, as you said, he started, and I believe, I think uh, I think that he was, he was like 60-odd fights, I think, it was something crazy like that into his career before he actually, uh, before Leonard even turned pro. So, you know, it was youth against experience, um, and it was literally just a matter of is Duran going to have the power at welterweight? And you know, it was it, it was interesting, wasn't it? And would Leonard have have a chin? So oh, it set up nice, really nicely. Well, it's interesting because if you look at the tail of the tape leading uh, up to this particular fight, at the time before the fight happened, we had Leonard at the age of 24 against Duran at the age of 29. 
the difference in the record was unbelievable. Ray Leonard, 27 and 0 at the time. Duran, 71 and 1, with 56 knockouts on his record against 18 KOs that Sugar Ray Leonard held on his record. But significantly, Sugar Ray Leonard was three inches tall. He was five foot ten against a five foot seven fighter in Roberto Duran, which again was quite interesting. And if you look at the reach advantages, there's an eight inch, eight inch reach advantage there for Sugar Ray Leonard going into this fight. So it was really interesting tale of the tape. You versus experience guy with clear knockout power earlier on in his career down at the lightweight division. But as you rightly pointed out, I think it's quite interesting to to note the fact that when you look at the record of Duran when he moved up a weight. You didn't notice as many knockouts on his record. You noticed more decision fights, and that's where we get into to, to this particular fight and the build-up to it. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, it, 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 that was the one question I think everyone was asking at the time. Is you know they were always you know obviously we had a situation where people were looking at you know fast hands against stone hands, youth experience, boxer the fighter, you know, etc. Um, but it was it, yeah, the, the, it was an interesting build-up. Because obviously you know Leonard being uh, the gold medalist, he won his gold medal in Montreal. Um, so you know he went he picked Montreal himself and his team actually decided to have this fight in Montreal against Duran because he felt that the crowd would be on his side um, when in actual fact he, they weren't um, Duran actually went out to Montreal a lot earlier than Leonard and with Duran if anyone knows about Duran in, in his hometown you know his home city of Panama you know he was always very welcoming he would he would talk to anyone um, so you know he, he was the, the sort of working class fella that, that the crowd took to and and he was the underdog, which is which is unusual. I mean, considering you know seventy one fights, how could he be the underdog? But he was, you know, Leonard was was nine to five favourite. He was getting the bigger chunk of the money. I think he was getting sort of eight to ten million dollars, um, and Duran was getting one point five million, which was his biggest purse. But yeah, yeah, underdog. But um, obviously, you know, it was it was setting up life nicely, and you know, we had some war words as well. Oh yeah, unbelievable war of words. The build-up to this was quite an interesting one. They obviously they know they, they they labelled this fight as the brawl in Montreal, which I've mentioned a couple of times. It gained a lot of hype going into this one. This was one of the one of the biggest fights of the era at the time, and we just started the 1980s, so the 80s had not really kicked in yet with all the the music side of things, and it was just transitioning over from the 70s era into the 80s. So you know there was big transitions going on in, in culture, in lifestyle. This was actually Leonard's first fight back in Montreal since he won his Olympic gold medal in 1976 obviously with his, his flashy style his personality and his markability you know he'd already made him this household name like you see today with the Olympians coming out fresh off the uh, Olympic Games to get this platform straight away and even then Sugar Ray Leonard was, was one of them fighters who was given that platform and given that name because people had watched him win a, win a gold medal in the Olympics now Leonard had won the WBC title after knocking out Wilfred Benitez as we talked about earlier in November 1979 defended it against Dave Green with a fourth round KO in March 1980 and then Duran as we've again spoke about earlier nicknamed Hands of Stone developed the reputation as a dynamic knockout puncher in that lightweight division and he unified them two titles WBA and WBC cleared it up 1978 knocked out WBC champion Esteban as we said and then he vacated the titles in 1979, adult welterweight. So this was where we got really interesting, where the pre-press conference, Duran, you know, he must have felt a little bit threatened and, and the underdog in this one because he repeatedly 
insulted Leonard in the build-up to this fight. He was repeatedly trying to get under Leonard's skin, and you could see that when you look back on the old videos of it. He's constantly trying to badger him and, and, and trying to get that psychological edge going into it. And it worked, because... Sugar Ray Leonard, as brash as he was, he was doing a Deontay Wilder and, and, and basically threatening to kill him during the fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was some... Uh, he really got under his skin and uh, and Leonard actually came out after said that, you know, he really did, you know, he just didn't know what to do. He had never seen anything like this and had this guy sort of just badgering him and he really sort of grabbed hold of the underdog status, didn't he, to Duran and... Um, and, and, and as you say, you know, he, he was telling him he's not a man, you're, you're a chicken, uh, you know, you had handed your success, I had to fight for mine, you know, he was always on the poor kid coming from the city of Panama, which he really liked that backdrop, um, and he was really winning that psychological battle, as you said. Um, but Leonard, Leonard was a bit like, as well, is this guy serious? Like, does he really want to kill me? And you can actually see it in his face, he's just not feeling him whatsoever, he doesn't know what to do with himself, he ends up sort of biting back and talking trash talk himself, which is something that, you know, is completely not what Leonard was about at the time. Um, and uh, and Duran actually did, well, he says that he didn't say this, but in his book he said, uh, well, at the time people mentioned that he said, your husband no good, after I beat him, I F you. <laughs> so he said, you what? <laughs> so, uh, and uh, when he was questioned about... Uh, the, sort of the, the quote in his book he still denies it to this day but you know either way he really did rub Leonard up the wrong way um, and he was just he was ready to, to you know it, it worked because you know Leonard was as you say he was the boxer he was the guy that was going to do the moving and he was going to be fighting on the outside and uh, he ended up not doing that he ended up being completely different he, he felt like his manhood was being questioned, so he, he felt that he's going to stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with this guy and he's going to beat him at his own fight. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's really interesting, actually, uh, just to see how, how, the, you know, how the psychological side of things can, can really affect a fighter. And you know, he made decisions that, um, yeah, it, it, it didn't work in his favour. No, and you're right in what you're saying there, because, obviously, when you look at the history books and you look at the way Ray Leonard was as a fighter going into this particular fight, very flashy, very stylish, you know, very getting, get out, make you miss, make you pay and that was his style and, and going in against a, a guy like Duran who, who would want to take it into the trenches, you would anticipate that Ray Leonard from the outset would be the one that had control the fight and obviously as we go into this in a moment it, it wasn't actually the case, now the trainer of Ray Leonard, Angelo Dundee, famous trainer there, uh, advised Ray Leonard to box smart against Duran, now obviously as we've said Leonard was known for his quick movements, uh, his boxing prowess and yet he elected to fight toe-to-toe -to -toe with Duran. Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, um, we, we, we actually, just before the fight as well, before we actually touched on the fight, there was an issue with Duran's health where he's uh, he had an abnormal, I think it was an abnormal beat in his heart or something or other. Uh, I can't quite remember the ins and outs of it, but there was a slight problem uh, with Duran's health. Um, and funny enough, uh, his trainer, uh, Ray Arcel, uh, did say a funny line, actually. He said, nah, uh, he, he sort of mentioned, said, no, nah, this can't be true. He's got nothing wrong with his heart. And he actually said, because Duran doesn't have a heart. <laughs> so uh, that just shows you again the sort of guy that people, you know, yeah, he was he was a scary guy. And even uh, just before Duran sort of come out to the ring in the fight as well, uh, Frazier, was in the crowd and, and one of the uh, interviewers or reporters or whatever on site said to him that, you know, um, uh, who does this guy remind you of? Who does Duran remind you of? Um, and it, it, thinking the response would be like me, as in Frasier, he actually said, uh, Charles Manson. So, <laughs> you know, that's how scary Duran was considered. So, 
Yeah, yeah, just a kind of interesting fact. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> comical ones at the same time as well. It's brilliant, brilliant to hear about. Obviously, little little intricate facts like that, and I'm sure, obviously, everybody listening is going to appreciate that. It's not all everything that you can find on the internet sometimes. It's not always something that you can look on Wikipedia and find. So, big up to Johnston for finding out these little interesting facts about the fight and the lead-up to the fight. So, going into it then, Johnston, this is it. The, you know, the big fight itself, and as we were touching on a little bit earlier, both of us the fact that we was expecting if you was a fight fan at the time I can imagine watching both of these fighters careers up until this point you would have expected Ray Leonard to, to, to completely outbox Roberto Duran in this fight but as we I alluded to earlier this wasn't the case he elected to go toe-to-toe from the off with him which was quite a strange quite a strange way to, to, to go about the job and obviously the fact that he got under his skin was was quite clear to see now looking back in hindsight that he, he decided he really wanted to try and get Roberto Duran out of there but when you look at the first few rounds of the fight it really weren't working because he, he was actually Duran was making him miss so much sugar Ray Leonard was actually well renowned for and I was watching back on it I was shocked to see it again I was like you're fighting in the same style as Ray Leonard he's the guy known for the movement he's the guy known for the quick reflexes but yeah Duran's head movement and, and, and lateral footwork was, was unbelievable would you believe Duran is boxing him yes Durant, but he's stalking him he's slowly cutting that distance between them He's faking. He's slowly cutting. You see that? Oh, he took a hard left hook, and he hit him back. Leonard wants to trade with him. Leonard wants to trade with him, and Duran is willing to oblige. Yeah, definitely. And his hands as well are one thing I like. People sort of obviously saying how fast Leonard's hands were. Duran had quick hands. I mean, they say hands of stone. This, this guy was, he went at him. He literally, from, he was, he was, his head was right on his chest from the on the very first, basically the very first minute. But, you know, the one thing I remember is uh, one of the, the commentators, uh, is it Freddie, Freddie uh, Pacino? I probably murdered his name again. But um, he pointed out literally straight away, Leonard is flat footed, Leonard is flat footed. So, you know, he, he, he obviously, as I say, these war of words, they affected Leonard. You know, as you say, you even pointed out as well that Angelo Dundee said to him, you know, you can't be fighting his fight. Um, and it, clearly, he, he, you know, Angelo Dundee's a clever guy and he, you know, he, he went against that. And um, yeah, it, it showed. I mean, second round was pretty clear. I mean, the round was getting right in inside and he's trying to sort of he got his distance just right in that second round for me and uh, he, he sort of just he sort of got under that jab um, and he threw a right and then obviously come across with the left um, which wob- which wobbled uh, Sugar Ray in the second round and uh, yeah it was, wasn't a good start for Leonard that's for sure Angelo says Leonard does not have to dance on him he does not want him backing up with Duran and Duran is willing to do his thing he's got Duran backing up there's a lot of feigning going on here. They're both trying to feel each other out still in spite of that hectic first round. But the Leonard fast hands are something to see. Duran is charging in like the charge of the light brigade. He's almost throwing caution to the wind. You see that charge? It's intensity, it's fierceness, it's fighting. Duran is throwing caution to the wind. That could cost him because Sugar Ray Leonard is cool. Yes, he is. 
Well, it wasn't because what was happening was you were seeing throughout the course of the first few rounds that Duran was going through periods of time where he was actually trapping Ray Leonard in the corner, keeping him on the ropes and landing hurtful shots. And and something that was really interesting about the fight was the the fact that a lot of the fighters in today's era, when they when they talk about how they mirrored the way Duran used to fight, because they're trying to trap him, they're trying to cut the ring off, they're trying to get him in the corner, and they're trying to work to the body. And this was something that was really successful throughout. The, the, the fight for Duran and he built up a really big lead earlier on in the fight and eventually this was what would really take him in to, to that second half of the fight knowing that he'd had this big lead because he was trapping his opponent on the ropes constantly you know interesting interesting stats about the, the particular fight in between rounds 1 to 8 Ray Leonard spent just over 4 minutes on the ropes wow Wow, yeah, that I mean, that does, you watch it back and it is, he literally is pinned him back, his head's right on his chest, uh, firing them big powerful shots, really working the body, uh, he was really sinking the shots in Duran as well, I mean, for me, I thought I, I had him winning those first four rounds, um, and then I thought, I thought Leonard just did enough for the fifth for me, he caught with a big left counter, straight as, it, as his fifth round started, basically, and I just thought he showed that, that wonderful hand speed, finally, I think he just found a little bit of room, I think maybe... Maybe Durant decided he's just he's won those first four rounds pretty clearly that he's thinking he has a little breather if you like and and that was the one thing that he couldn't do and one thing that Customato actually said as well was that um, you know if if, if Duran stays on top of Leonard then he wins the fight as soon as Duran rests and Leonard will use his superb skills and win the fight and I think the fifth was quite evident in that and that was that was a great piece of advice from Cust and it's basically how the fight ended out and, and you know the constant pressure from Duran um, was it, it was like, it was unbelievable really and it was just uh, oh, it was it was just so entertaining and just and, and this, it wasn't just like two guys sort of just going at it there was so much skill involved in terms of when you actually watched the way you know that they're, 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 they're bod, they're sort of bod, uh, uh, ducking and weaving and 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 Duran just had that ability didn't he to just Sort of, uh, it, it was just out of reach, and then Leonard would come back, and uh, it, I mean, the first sort of part it was obviously all around, but yeah, it wasn't just a, a straight. I'm going to punch the living shit out of each other. It was a lot more technical and highly skilled than that. And when you watch it and you really watch it properly, it is it, it is fantastic to watch. Especially, I mean, the whole fight, but you know, just up to the fifth and the sixth rounds as well into the seventh. Ray Arcel said, "We'll tell by round number seven whether they've got second win." Duran now is fighting the way he did in 71 when they called him Rocky after Rocky Graziano. Yeah, he was, and I think them first eight rounds were the significant rounds, uh, particular for, for Roberto Duran, because this is where he did the majority of his work in building that lead-up that I was talking about earlier. You know, like I said, between mm-hmm. them first eight rounds, he spent four minutes on the ropes, Ray Leonard, which was an average time of 30 seconds per round, and he absorbed 97 punches within that period of time whilst being on the ropes, and that was every evident from the punishing body shots that were thrown by Roberto Duran and and that you know evidently for me is what really took the fight in his favour going into the second half of the fight and you've got to remember we're talking about a 15 round fight and not a 12 round fight here so from sort of rounds 1 to 8 that's the first half of your fight really getting in from rounds 9 to 15 is where it started to turn the tide a little bit because you get to sort of pushing forward from from round six seven eight going into the ninth and tenth he started to really turn around for Ray Leonard at this point because he began to fight a little bit closer to his natural style 
And because Duran had set this ferocious pace for the first half of the fight, you know, Duran was starting to rest. Fatigue, you could tell, was starting to kick in at this point. He'd expended a lot of energy over the first course of that eight rounds, and that's where you started to see Ray Leonard take control a little bit more. But that's not to say that's how it ended up, because it didn't, because although Ray Leonard started to take control a little bit, Duran just sometimes just seemed to have this second wind in between the rounds. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree with that. Um... You know, with uh, I think for me, I think Leonard won the fifth, the sixth, um, the seventh, maybe. Um, no, actually, not the seventh, but yeah, I think I think Garand won the eighth and the ninth. But but there was a key part where where Leonard was starting to, as you say, it was sort of that half part of the fight where um, Duran was. You know, he had he had literally been ferocious and just working the body and mixing up the shots, body and head. Um, but but Leonard was just finding that little bit of space, um, and he was just finding some eye catching shots. But then. And I think Duran sort of realised this, and uh, it was about the ninth round where he roughed him up a little bit. Duran got dirty, and he, he sort of pushed his head against uh, Leonard's, and he sort of, sort of skidded it across the top of his head. And you could see he was he was trying to do something. And, and funny enough, I think that was what I'm not sure if it was the head or if it was a, a shot, but I believe it was the head that opened the cut up on uh, on Leonard as well uh, on his right eye. It was interesting then because that caught obviously started to, 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 to play a bit a little bit of a factor into the fight because when you think that Ray Leonard's actually starting to take control obviously that's where Duran you know no pun intended here but he, you know he smells blood basically and he starts to to go back to the style of trying to corner Ray Leonard again and and, and go back to that aggressive style it's like he had a it's like he had a, a second wind it's like he had a bit of uh, Aaron Pryor's drink <laughs> you know uh, obviously <laughs> pre, pre that time but it was like he'd had this uh, this, this 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 magical resurgence of, of of energy going into that then, and then he started to come back into to, to 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 the slugfest side of things, and he brought Ray Leonard back into his style of fight again. Whilst Ray Leonard was starting to box beautifully again, it was interesting to see how Durana then started to bring it back down to his level and his pace again, because over the course of their next three or four rounds, it started to turn into a real slugfest because both guys obviously evidently knackered at this point. You know, fatigue is really setting for both of them and it was it was actually really good last few rounds and there's one particular round which I can't remember off the top of my head but as the 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 end of the fight I think it was uh, maybe it might have even been the last round of the fight there was a moment where Sugar Ray Leonard he's on the offense and he's throwing combination punches at Duran and Duran's head movement was just he, he avoided every single punch that Ray Leonard had threw. He telegraphed every single one, and it was like this is what Ray Leonard should be doing to you right now. Ah, oh, ah, oh, it was it was beautiful. Where uh, yeah, I, I, I can't. Well, I've I've not got it down. I don't see what round that was in, but I do. I know exactly what what what, what you're talking about. It was unreal. When it is literally sort of throwing those wild. It was even like literally wild swings from Leonard, which is so not like him to miss so many times, and and just to be in such like. It's, in the pocket, his head. He was obviously short, but he was going right under the shots, bobbing and weaving, and uh, oh, it, it was quite. I mean, the, the one round I've got on here was, was the eleventh round, which was a real ebb and flow. They met at the middle and exchanged punches. Neither one effective. Neither one. Duran doesn't look tired at all, and Leonard is punching like he isn't. He got hit very low. Leonard just got hit very low just then. But this is the first time a Durant fighter has seen that. He holds no part of the man's body, Sacrosanct. He's he a pit fighter. He's just throwing punches. Wherever the, a good right hand landed on Durant. A good right hand landed, and now they're both exchanging furious volleys. 
comes back. Right back. Right back. No advantage to either one. And just defensively and, and the selection of shots from the pair of them, you know, I was sort of tempted to go and give this that, that the 11th round a draw, which if I had have done that, because I, I was running through the scores again, I would have actually, I thought I would have had it as a draw, which is interesting. Um, so I didn't give it, I could actually give the round 11 to, to Duran, um, which effectively wins in the fight. But yeah, oh, it was just, that, that was a beautiful round. The round 11 and then round 13 was another, another great, great round. Uh, I mean, they're all brilliant to watch. Uh, but there was an, exta- exta- uh, an outstanding exchange, uh, which, which I believe Leonard just edged in round 13. And, I, and for me, he won those last three rounds, Leonard. Um, and, you know, Durant was taking some, was eating some big right-handers in the 14th. And then you had Leonard where he sort of, he threw, he, he loaded up that bolo punch of his. Um, but, but when he actually threw it, it looked great. And then we actually watched the replay. Yeah, you know, again, Durant blocks it. So, you know, you couldn't quite see that with obviously today with so many replays you would have seen that Durant, Durant's blocked it but it looked great uh, for Leonard so yeah I mean leading into that 15th round it really was even it really was I mean it's weird because you score it and, and you sort of while you're watching it, you're thinking Duran's in front, but yet when you look at your scores, he's actually really close. Um, so that last round was it was big for Leonard. Leonard needed to win that, and I believe Duran sort of stepped off because he thought he had it won. So you could see from from the way they approached that last round, the corners and the fighters as to who they thought was winning the fight. So whether you score it or not, I still believe Durant won the fight. I mean, as I say, that one particular round, I, I, I could, you could go draw, which was, ironically, you know, there was three even rounds, so, um, which was really interesting for the judges. It was interesting for the judges because the post-fight decision actually left a lot of people very bemused because the judges made a little bit of a scoring error and eventually when the scoring error was rectified, Durant had won the fight by unanimous decision, 145 to 144, 148-147 and 1 Four six one four four. So he'd he'd been given all three cards, but they were very 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 close. Like you said, it was it was actually really really close than what a lot of people might have made it out to be in it. And I suppose that brings it back to what we were said said earlier about the fight being you know it was a tale of two halves really. You had Duran rounds one to eight, and sort of rounds nine to fifteen was more where Leonard looked to take over, and that that fifteenth round, like you were saying, there was uh, was actually quite eventful because you can see at this point, Duran thinks he's won the fight and he believes he's won the fight because he's starting to taunt Ray Leonard a little bit and he starts to, to, to sort of faint and move around and start to just duck and weave and bob and weave and it was all just quite a lot of bravado in the, in that final sort of 30, 30 seconds of the fight and uh, obviously when the bell went, straight away you know, Duran's the one with his hand up you can tell, usually at the end of the fight you can tell who the winner is because of the body language and Duran was obviously, you know, he felt he was the winner and I think Ray Leonard looked like he'd kind of conceded himself a little bit to, to defeat. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, I mean, that, that 15th round, it is, uh, you could sort of see Leonard sort of throwing the, the bolo punch, for instance, in, in the 14th round. And then the 15th round, he stood up before the bell rang, start the 15th, sort of to say, I'm all right. And he sort of waved around him while Durant just sort of sat back. So just from that, whether it was a... It was, Lend was trying to use a bit of mental, you know, to, to, to the judges, maybe to the crowd to say, like, you know, come on, I've got this, I'm fine, you know, look what I've done at the end of the day. I mean, that, that for me is what Leonard set out to do. He wanted to win the fight, obviously didn't want to lose his unbeaten record or his titles, but the one thing with him is that he proved to everybody that was watching that I had a chin. 
And um, as you said, I mean, the craziness of the judges is, is I mean, who <laughs> totaled them up wrong and then half hour later, is it Peretti, would it, the judge? Um, what an absolute Norman. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one of, such a massive fight and the judge can't add up the scorecard. I mean, what on earth? It is, it is pretty incredible. Uh, and the fact that three rounds, the seventh, the ninth and the eleventh, all three judges put it even. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was quite, quite remarkable really um and i mean i being i'm not a judge i, I don't know what, what you what you, how you feel with it but um do you i mean did you have any even round how did you score it in the end i think watching it back again now you you have to score it really really close and i think if if it was being judged in in this day and age the way the judges are today i think it wouldn't have surprised me if they would have actually ended up giving it to ray leonard to be honest with you because there, there were a few rounds which i think were were quite controversial where you kind of feel like actually this could have been scored either way and in a, in with, with a different set of judges you probably would have got a different well you would have got a different that, there's no question about that I think it was I think at the time Duran definitely won the fight and I think he won it uh, yeah. by uh, by at least one uh, at least one round on two of the cards and if I was scoring it I'd say at least one round on two cards and probably two rounds on the third card because it was that close it was that close knit although at times it didn't look that way and I think that's because that, that first eight rounds left a lasting impression on people because nobody was expecting Duran to be able to come in there and completely outgun a guy who was so brash, so stylish, you know, who could, who could have made that fight a lot easier for himself. Yeah, 100% he could have made the fight a lot easier for himself. And uh, I mean, I, I just think he, he did, he got caught up in psychological warfare with Duran and, and, and he obviously, you know, he was upset with what he said about his wife and he's telling his brother that he's going to kill him. So he, was, he, he just got it all wrong. I mean... Even Angelo Dundee, after the fight, um, he said, you never fight to a guy's strength. You try to offset it, and Ray didn't. Uh, he tried to outstrong the guy, and Duran was in Duran, and Ray was like, was just going with him. So, you know, Angelo couldn't be any more right, and, you know, it, obviously we see further on um, the, the way to fight Duran. Um, but, yeah, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a great... It was a great fight to watch. It was a spectacle, and it? it was brilliant. It was probably the best out of all of them. You know, when you think of the Fabulous Four, for instance, it is the one that opened a gateway to, to all these multi-million pound, multi-million dollar fights for these for the lower weight guys. So, yeah, it was it's it was just fantastic to watch. And um, but yeah, you know. It, it was interesting how how the fight ended and Leonard. Yeah, it, you could see when he, it, it took forever for the for, for the announcer to say to actually come out with the scorecards. And you could, I think it was his brother, Leonard's brother, that was sort of touching him, taking the sweat away from his eyes. His eyes were swollen, and you could see the pain in Leonard's face. So he even said, "Calls himself Anderson." I felt like I was getting hit by bricks in there. So you know, Durant. Oh, I mean, I, I just have to think what that felt like in there. <laughs> yeah, no, me too. I wouldn't want to have been involved in that one for sure. It's such a pain. <laughs> painstaking fight to have gone through and grueling fight to have gone through and just touching on what you said there this was the pioneering fight of that fab four era and this kind of leads us nicely on into the aftermath for both guys because 
obviously these two guys would eventually go on to fight twice uh, both of them you know interesting fights in themselves really because you've got you've got a rematch that you know obviously Duran had with with Ray Leonard and that was the infamous no mass fight where we all know about that and we all know what happened and we all know that Duran basically quit on his stool in that particular fight which was something that you'd never really seen in boxing history before at this point in time so that was that was un- unbelievably interesting that that actually had, had, had happened and that was immediately after this so this was the no mass fight occurred in the november of the same year after this initial fight in montreal and duran himself would then go on to be involved in some unbelievable fights unbelievable nights he fought the he fought wilford Benitez again he lost to wilford Benitez. he'd moved up yet again he'd fought for the super middleweight uh, not super middleweight super welterweight title so he'd fought there for that and then he moves on he fought davy moore he beat davy moore won the super welterweight title he then fought marvin Hagler and lost to marvin Hagler. then he fought thomas hearns and then you do you just kind of go through his career and it's, it's ridiculous another cracking fight of duran that I must touch on that I think people it's, it's a fight that's really really badly underrated he's fighting 1989 for the middleweight title against Iron Barkley what an unbelievable fight he was involved in in that one as well oh that it was I mean the size difference was incredible wasn't it um, you, you just you thought how on earth is Durant fighting this fella for a start um, no one gave him a chance again the man he feared for his life which is which is interesting because you find a lot of these guys, especially like your Duran, your Leonard's as well, when he had the situation with Hagler, and obviously we go on to that. But, um, and Ali, for instance, with Foreman. With these guys, these, this is what makes them that little bit. You know, that's what gives them the edge. That's what puts them in the, the, the pound for pound greatest of all time. And that fight against Barkley showed that for me. I mean, he's taking... It, it, it was it was just unreal. I mean, I couldn't, when I was watching the fight, you think you, you could just see the difference. What has this guy fight in the middle? I know he obviously bloomed up a little bit, but he doesn't lose his height. He's still a short guy, and um, yeah, he puts him. He does put him down as well, doesn't he? It was, it was a big yeah. shot. He, put, he does put him down. He, Barkley, yeah, he? Um, he does. Yeah. Durant puts Barkley down. Yeah, yeah, and then obviously he goes on to win a split decision, and obviously to win the middleweight title. So that was three world titles. He uh, was picked out of three different weight divisions, which is. Incredible, and obviously, it's it's just the man was just unbelievable to start your career in 1958 (laughs) and then still be going on until 2001. It's just it's unbelievable, unreal. Obviously, went too far, but you know, yeah, but but we'll move on again from Barclay after that. Um, I mean, it's just endless. I'm just sort of just, I think, I think for me, that you know, the, the William Joppy fight was the one that was the one it was quite sad to watch actually he got he got beat up pretty bad he got stopped but yeah it, it, it just it just started to deteriorate it, it was sort of like three stages to Duran you had the lightweight you had, you had a decade before he even fought Leonard so even before he fought Leonard he was his whole first part of his career and then he had the career with the with the fabulous four and then after that it sort of just continued but um yeah the guy was just it's sensational it's sensational no, he was, and you got to give him a huge respect for what he went on. You, you, you got the Aaron Barkley fight, and just quickly touching on some of the other fights there that he had and that he was involved in. He fought Ray Leonard for a third time and lost that super uh, world super middleweight title. Um, uh, uh, and then we go on and we get uh, other fights involved with Vinny Paz, Vinny Pazienza. He fought again. Uh, that was a super middleweight bout as well. And then he also fought. Uh, again, H- Hector Macho Camacho. He fought him 
him for the middleweight title. So he was up and down in weights. It's ridiculous. So he eventually went up and fought a super middleweight from being a lightweight. That sort of jump in today's age is like when Amir Khan went up and fought Canelo or Kel Brook went up and fought Golovkin. It's the same thing. It's ridiculous amount of jumping up in weights that he that he ended up doing over the years. But obviously that's because he you know he got older. The the booze and the drugs and all the rest outside the ring obviously was taking his toll. So eventually he was never going to be able to make that lightweight and welterweight limit again anyway. So he eventually just moved up and, and tried to fight a five foot seven guy. You know fighting guys that are, are six foot and over. It was, it was unbelievable but yeah sad ending really for him that he ended up going uh, and fighting guys like William Joppy and, and then his final fight was yeah. in 2001 as you say against Hector Macho Camacho which he, he lost a unanimous decision and, and finally he finally called it a day so what's 1968 to 2001 how many years is that yeah, that's, 30, <laughs> that's about 30, 33 years he was an active fighter 33 years yeah. unbelievable I, 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 Unbelievable. I mean, you, you saying how he was moving through the weights. Um, one thing we probably didn't touch on after the uh, after the first fight um, against Leonard um, was it, it had come around so quickly. And obviously, as he already mentioned, after he beat Kempich and he went on that mad celebrationary binge, um, and he'd done the same thing after the Leonard fight. I mean, he come back to sort of thousands. He was he welcomed back in as a hero in Panama City. So he was, you know, he, everybody wanted to be around him, and he, and he loved the life. So you know. He uh, he went on another binge basically, um, and uh, even was quoted saying, "I was partying, partying, eating, eating, drinking, drinking." I mean, he was doubling up his words like because he was over doubly indulgent. Like this guy was just out every night, um, and then partying. And actually, for the funny story is, is when he was actually partying in New York City around September time, it was Carlos Alexa that actually called him up um, and said to him, you've got a rematch in November. And Duran said, are you fucking crazy? I weigh nearly 200 pounds. I can't drop all that weight in a month. Um, so I weren't surprised that he, he ended up sort of, you know, calling it no mess. Apparently, he still says to this day, he didn't say no mess, did uh, something else, which was no seagull, which is I can't go on. But it was no mess. I mean, it, it, no one cares anymore. It was no mess, Joe. You know? <laughs> Get over it, mate. Um, yeah, uh, brilliant. Um, great career and uh, just unbelievable stories. I mean, you could go, it's endless, this guy. I mean, the fights and it, it, the, the, the guys he fought even beyond when he was way beyond his best. He's still going 12 rounds with these guys. You know what I mean? It's, as you as you even as you even mentioned with, um, with, with Amir Khan, he got floored badly, knocked out badly by Canelo. This guy didn't really get knocked out completely. I mean, the Hearns is probably the only knockout. Other than that, he was it was all just stoppages. He always got up from his knockdowns. So, for, for all we, we mentioned his hands and style, we mentioned everything else that was great about Durant. The guy had an iron chin as well. It was just a remarkable fighter. And, and for me, he would he will go down as the best lightweight. For me, I always will put... I mean, you could put Benny Leonard in there. You, Henry Armstrong's probably a, a close one too. But he's definitely... Uh, that lightweight career, for me, was Durant at his best... Um, which is sometimes a little bit overlooked, but he he was he was outstanding, outstanding fighter, and just uh, crazy to know that he was still fighting when I when I was, when I was around and from '68 and then onwards, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, no, it was, and then we go into Ray Leonard. Then let's touch on the aftermath for Sugar Ray because yeah. obviously he just as much as Duran had an unbelievable Hall of Fame worthy career do you know the fact that he then went on to beat Duran in the rematch as we say uh, he had some unbelievable fights Tommy Hearns in 1981 fantastic fight that we, you know may come up in Legendary Nights in the future it's one that again I'd probably love to cover for, for Legendary Nights we've got 
the retirement, uh, three years out, comes back in 1987, fights Marvin Hagler in a controversial split decision, beats Marvin Hagler, uh, and then comes back 1988 and he wins the vacant WBC uh, World Super Middleweight title and the WBC Light Heavyweight title, which I've not really looked too much into this one, but I didn't realise you was able to to, to, to have two two titles in the same on the in the different weights in the same night, but this according to the records against uh, Donnie Lalonde in 1988, he fought and won the WBC World Super Middleweight title and then the WBC World Light Heavyweight title. Yeah, yeah, that is yeah the in angle. Yeah, I'm seeing that myself now. That was a great fight. I saw that Donnie fight, wasn't it? It was, a, it was pretty <laughs> blombarded of his. I mean, it's got to be the worst <laughs> going to business, isn't it? <laughs> Truly 80s hairstyle, that. <laughs> Unbelievable, isn't it? Um, yeah, look, Pat Sharp, didn't he? Remember Pat Sharp? <laughs> fun house. Um, house, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, again, I mean, Leonard, is, he, the, both, the, the both of these fellas were just, they were there, weren't they? they, they you know, if you're doing your top 10 pound for pound, I, I would, great for all time, you're going to put these two in. I, I always do. I, I, maybe other people wouldn't, but they are, Unbelievable. And with Leonard, I mean, the one famous thing I remind reminds me of that, that Hearn fight was a fantastic fight. So that first fight, thank God they didn't fight when it was the, his thought of pro fight for Leonard. Um, for one, they weren't uh, a mint in that fight, but that was always famous for Dundee's, uh, you're blowing it, you're blowing it, the rally cry, and uh, Leonard ended up coming out and, uh, and, and, and stopping Hearns, which was oh, just, again, what a sensational fight. Um and as you say, the Hagler fight was uh, again, you know, after so long out. It this is this is this is again the point with Leonard, isn't it? The Leonard and your Arlies and Graham, where people are sort of saying they're fitting for their lives, and they go in there and they beat them or, or draw with them. Well, I mean, it's, they beat them. End of the day, it is. Uh, it's, it's so it was so close to fight. I mean, again, I couldn't even pick a winner. I think I've watched it a couple of times. I scored it a draw as well. I'm calling it a draw, but you know, it was a split decision win for for Leonard, which, to be fair, was you know. What unbelievable again, unreal, yeah. No, I agree. And, and, and going back to the end of uh, his career, he obviously rematched with Thomas Hearns, which was up in the super middleweight division 1989. That was a draw. Uh, obviously, we talked about the Duran fight, the rematch in 1989. He then comes back in 91, fights Terry Norris, loses in the challenge for the light middleweight slash super welterweight title, and then leaves it six years before deciding to come back and fight again, one more time against Hector Macho Camacho, which he lost, uh, which was quite sad to see at this point I think he did you know he, he, he was no way he was going to be able to rekindle the magic uh, again after six years out and, and obviously a, a lot more in his in, you know past his prime at this point it was a lot of, he was an older man at this point let's, let's have it right he was I think he was about 41 yeah. when he came back and fought Camacho he was way past his best but that's how he ended his career he ended it trying to go out like a champion and I think it, what everything he'd done up until this point had already put him in the Hall of Fame and an unbelievable career. The 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 80s was Sugar Ray Leonard. 100%. Sugar Ray Leonard was he was, he was just a one wonderful fighter to watch. His, his hand speed, you know, his, his distances. He he just he showed everything really, didn't he? When he was on form, Leonard, I, I, I challenge anyone to, to you know an on form Leonard. I, I can't think. I mean, maybe you, you could. Obviously, you should wear Robinson in there, but at welterweight, it was just outstanding. And and you know, it, we talk about obviously the fabulous four. He had the three fights with Durant, one, two, lost one. Uh, drew with Hearns, beat Hearns, beat Hagler. 
So, you know, I would say he probably was the, the guy. He was the face of it all, really. He had, he had the money, he had the backing. Um, and, you know, he was just a, a fantastic fighter. And, you know, if, if there are people out there that haven't seen enough of him, go and watch his fights. You know, watch Hearns, watch Duran, um, especially the first one. Watch the second one. He, he, he literally, you know, the second fight, he even said himself, the Nomad's fight, he said, I wanted the rematch straight away because he knew that Duran was going to go out on this mad binge and he'd be well overweight. And he could take advantage of it. He was a smart man. He was a smart guy. Still is today. Got all his faculties. You know, so, um, and, 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 you know, the one thing you will say, probably the annoying thing is, is for all of his greatness, he had those massive chunks when he didn't fight. I mean, I know he put it down to, I think it come down to his eye, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it was. I can't yeah. think, I think it might have been, was it, was it after the Tommy Hearns second fight? Wasn't it the draw? Yeah, no, it wasn't. No, it was Duran, wasn't it? He, done, he had a one fight. Yeah, it was Duran, sorry. Because he had 89 and then he came back to fight that Terry Norris. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, even before, even before that we're talking about, no, it was, it was Kevin Howard then. So he took three years out of the room before he came back to Fort Haggis. So he had those gaps. So it would, it's a shame because if he didn't have the problems with, with his eye, you know, who knows? He could have gone on to do even greater things. And it's, it's, it's unbelievable, really, to think that. But yeah, 40 fights um, and obviously the last sort of two, you can probably say the Terry Norris, he shouldn't have come out for that. And Hector Camacho, again, he should have just called it a day, to be honest, and, and just retired. But, uh, you know, this is what these guys do. This is what Ali did. That's what Duran did. Duran fought on to, he was, what, 49, 50, and the only reason why he stopped was for, for a car accident. <laughs> Otherwise, he would still be fighting today, probably, that <laughs> <laughs> at 60. Yeah, no, and I tell you what, it's, it's, it really hits home when you discuss the, the fights and fighters and the Hall of Fame careers that they've had. And it's been an unbelievable look back at, you know, the real detail of the fights. And he's not just talking about the fights, he's talking about the surround factors of the fight, the aftermath of the fight. And when you when you put it into perspective, it really hits home how significant this particular fight was in, in boxing history. For the sole fact is that, you know, it was the biggest win of Duran's career. It really taught Sugar Ray Leonard a lesson which led him on to greater things and it, you know it's it's definitely a significant point in boxing history and again I can only really say thank you to all the people that voted for this episode it was a fantastic episode to cover and I, I really enjoyed it yeah absolutely absolutely it was it was a great a great one to cover and just going back through all some of the old archive stuff that I've, I've dug through and just watching some of the fights again um, and one thing just before we go as well is, is, is one thing that I'll pick up on was was the Bob Aaron quote after the fight, the post-fight interview. And uh, one thing he said is, uh, "This is the beginning of a re- revelation in boxing and television because it means we are moving closer to the day when almost all boxing will be seen um, on network, not on network television, but on pay cable." And uh, I think he was spot on there, weren't he? <laughs> I tell you <laughs> what, because this is what God. He definitely foreshadowed the future, didn't he, with that comment? Unbelievable, really. And uh, and he even went on to say, yeah, we have seen the last of big fights on network television. The networks uh, know they have only two years left of boxing. Um, and and King Don King followed it up by basically saying that. You know, uh, if William prescribers can pay $3 a fight, $3 a fight, I mean, he's got on ridiculous amounts of money nowadays. So they obviously see something that, you know, that they picked up on the fact that pay-per-view was the way to go with boxing. And, and, and Duran and Leonard, they were the ones that they were, the, as you said, they were pioneers. For that, they opened the gateway to these multi-million fights that were not heavyweight fights. And that is another big point. These guys were welterweights. 
147s and then obviously went up to the middleweights and you think about uh, Hagler and obviously what they went on to uh, the weights they went into fighting so it was a, it was a not only was it a fantastic fight but it was it, it was very it was a pioneer fight as you put it rightly and um, yeah fantastic to cover and I, I loved every minute of it so that's it then guys this is the episode and the tale of Duran versus Leonard done and dusted and we really hope that you've enjoyed listening to this episode some of the factual information some of the build up some of the aftermath it's been an unbelievable experience to, to go back and look at all these factors and look at this fight in particular so if you're really pumped about the fight go and watch it now because you've just listened to us talk about all the little intricate details about it get yourself straight onto YouTube get it watched and I'm telling you if you've not seen this fight before you will not be disappointed in this fight whatsoever so that's it again thank you for listening thanks so much for subscribing retweeting sharing liking doing anything that you guys do it's always really appreciated from myself and from johnston thanks for listening guys and we'll see you on the next episode of btr boxing podcast legendary nights and right now thomas Hearns is an open book for ray leonard backs up against the ropes this is one of the most unusual calls by a referee in the history of the sport the first loss a tremendous victory Podcast Network.